Hi, everyone. This is Sherry Rice, and welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local and national guests on a variety of topics that are of interest to you and your family. Today, we are discussing how local small businesses are coping with this year-long pandemic and the devastation that it has brought to our community and our economy. And my guest today is Ann Silver, CEO of the Reno Sparks Chamber of Commerce. And I'm sure that Ann can fill us in on how our businesses are doing and maybe even give us a few thoughts on the outlook for 2021. Hi, Ann. How are you? I'm fine, Sherry. What an honor to be on this podcast. Thank you. Well, we've had you on before. We we had you on quite a few months ago, and it was a little more towards the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that things have settled in any more than they were then, but you certainly would be the person to say, have we made any progress and what does progress look like? And I know that the chamber has been at the forefront for our small business was, businesses and that you've supported them all along. But maybe give us a little update on the last six or seven months, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I think probably most of your listeners are familiar with the fact the federal government intervened very quickly with loans and grants. And most of the 2,000-plus chamber members quickly filled out applications to get um, part of the Paycheck Protection Program or the Emergency Injury Disaster Loan. And all of our members who applied got some money. However, the money was not significant enough for many of them to continue paying their employees, to retain the benefits they were providing them, and ultimately to stay open. So we had a lot of, we saw a lot of our small businesses close. We see some now, almost a year uh, to the anniversary of the, of the pandemic. We see many just hanging on. And then, quite remarkably, we see some doing just gangbuster business. So mm-hmm. there are sort of the three buckets. Some small businesses mm-hmm. closed, they just couldn't make it. Some are still hanging on, and there's a second round of PPP funding, and we're helping those uh, businesses fill out their forms for uh, up to $2 million. Um, and then uh, some are just doing, like I said, gangbusters, where they've mm-hmm. never had a better and it's it's interesting if I go back and look at the ones that are doing incredibly well. They pivoted very quickly to online sales or they were doing curbside commerce or they were able to design a website very quickly that people could get on or they were doing home delivery. And so some due to their innovative and creative thinking and then just grit and determination did exceedingly well. And they will stay in business and we'll all be thrilled that they're in our community. We have lost some, though, and some as large as, you know, Rapscallion Restaurant, a fine dining restaurant that closed and is an eyesore now on Wells Avenue, but just couldn't make it. And we still see some restaurants struggling, uh, particularly those that uh, employed a number of people. They were larger in size, and when you cut down to 25% capacity, the tips get reduced, the employees leave. Um, you don't pay as much to your chef. You don't have, have as many table turnovers. And so we're seeing some restaurants um, just barely eke out a living, and they may or may not make it. On the other hand, as I mentioned, we've seen some takeout businesses and others just do remarkably well. well let's go back to the PPP loan a little bit, because um, I read that 
one of the problems with the PPP loan was that it couldn't keep the business open during shutdown. I mean, many of them just couldn't survive because then they either had to decrease or shut down totally because we went through a period of restaurants, bars being shut down, and even a PPP loan can't survive with that, uh, plus the fact that you lose your employees. And so um, if we continue, really the issue then is, is continuing to do what we need to do to decrease the number of cases of COVID so that we don't have to shut anything down. Well, you know, one would hope that the that we're able to get a decent enough allocation of, of vaccines that we can all pretty quickly get vaccinated in Nevada. Um, we're a population of less than 3 million, and, and certainly the governor and others are working to get a better distribution method going for this state so that if we all have to wait in line four or five hours, you bring a laptop, a book, a sandwich, and you do what you have to do mm-hmm. to get that vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to your point about the original PPP, the first draw of the PPP, which came out in April, you're right that money could only be used for payroll. And that was very restrictive mm-hmm. because if you if you co- didn't have customers, you didn't need your employees. And many employees right. were able to make, make 900 a week on unemployment. And so it was a, a kind of Bermuda Triangle where the government was giving money to the, the business. The business wanted to pay its employees, but the employees, if they got laid off, were making twice as much very often than they were when they were working. So many right. people chose not to work. The second round of PPP, which was just released last week, um, can be used for payroll. It can be used for operating expenses. It can be used for a whole host of other things, and it's limited to businesses with 300 or fewer employees. So you won't have many of the very large corporations that sucked up a lot of the PPP money in the first round. You'll have mostly smaller businesses who hopefully are using it for payroll and retention. They're using it for PPE equipment maybe more masks, you know, more shields. If you're a, a nail salon, maybe you want to put up the acrylic uh, dividers. I mean, there are all sorts of uses, and it's a much simpler, straightforward form that gets filled out. So once you fill out that form, within 24 to 48 hours, you hear back from your lender if they've processed it through the Small Business Administration. So many of our members and many, many businesses in this community are certainly applying for that second draw, provided they can show a 25% decline right. in gross revenue uh, in any quarter of 19 compared to 20, 2020. Mm-hmm. So that this second draw may, may help to stem the tide of small business closures. I certainly hope so, because... Our small businesses provide the goods and services we all rely upon, and we don't want That's to see right. them leave. Right. Well, and it seems sometimes that the rules are a little juxtaposed to each other. When you talk about 25% capacity, and, and I'm not saying that it shouldn't be at 25 capacity, certainly um, anything to get the number of COVID cases down, how do we expect a small business to even stay open at 25% capacity? Um, well, it, it's very hard, and so the successful ones or the ones that have survived between last March and now pivoted, as I indicated, to either a different mm-hmm. form of business 
new products, online services, delivery, uh, takeout, people who never considered selling online are doing so. I know the community is really responding very positively by buying takeout, um, ordering lunch in, whatever we can do to help subsidize those businesses that we see are teetering on the brink. Um, I just went and went to a place today. I normally never go out to lunch, but I thought, you know what? I need to help this place because I want to see it. I want to see it thrive, and I want it to be here when this is all over. But I, I think we've seen a resounding sense of sort of consumer patriotism uh, in the Reno Sparks area, where people said, I, "I want my small business liquor store to stay open, or deli, or bagel shop, or nail salon, and I'm going to do what I can do to." to keep them afloat. We know of many people who literally just donated money to small businesses, said, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not buying anything, just let me help you out. And so all of that plus federal intervention has helped, I would say, 85% of the small businesses in this community. The 15% that are finding themselves shuttered, you know, we grieve for those folks who put their life savings in or mortgaged their house or didn't send their kid to college no, so that they could open the business. And it's mm -hmm. terribly devastating, and they, they can't renew their membership with the chamber. We can't advocate on their behalf. There's not much we can do except to, to help them apply, help them fill out the application, get their documents prepared so they can ask for the money they can justify based on the comparison of any quarter between 2019 and 2020. And with the maximum amount being $2 million, for some of them, 50000 or 25000 may make the difference. Well, I've been in the um, nonprofit world for uh, decades, and I have always found Reno Sparks to be extremely generous when something Absolutely. is needed. Yes. I, I think I'm so proud that. of our community. I've been here for uh, about 45 years, and... I'm just so proud of us. We always seem to come together when we need to. And I think it says a lot for resiliency and the grit they talk about and determination. I'm from New York City, but I've been out here a long time, and I'm I'm amazed at the sense of community. When we all seem to think it's disappeared, it does come back, roaring back, to help support small businesses in particular. We all have our favorites, and we know that they're the lifeblood of the community. Um, we're very fortunate mm -hmm. at the Chamber to have the big big boys in our club, Tesla and Amazon and Panasonic and all those big, big corporations. But we know that what really churns the wheel of commerce in this community are small businesses. And whether it's your favorite nail salon or it's where you pick up your coffee in the morning, those are the places we want to see continue to thrive. And it's so difficult for them. And it's I just spoke to a small business owner who said he's having a difficult time even hiring because people are able to rely on the enhanced unemployment benefit. Yeah. And while I was has just going to bring that up. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a difficult subject to talk about because for so many it's a lifeline. It's the way they were able to pay their right. rent or the way they were able to put food on the table for their children yeah. or or buy, yeah. you know, buy a warm winter coat or a blanket. But for others who may be able-bodied, have multiple job offers. Um, when the employment, unemployment insurance benefit was enhanced by $600 so that basically you were able to collect 900 a week, 
that was the equivalent of about $22 an hour. And if you'd been making 10 or 11 or $12 an hour, you really had very little incentive to go back. Um, mm-hmm. So we're hearing from small business owners that they cannot find people who have maintained a work ethic and a willingness to return to work. And, uh, you know, I don't well, know what to say to those folks. <laughs> I don't either. And I'm not you know, a small we, business. We have no. what 135 employees statewide, and we yeah. have this. We're having the same problem, man. We are. It's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're all sort of mystified by it because that we have so few applicants and so few qualified applicants, and so um, yeah, we're a little mystified by it too. And it is a tough subject because you don't want to say that people um, shouldn't get unemployment. Right. Right. We're, we're all understanding that that's an important uh, supplement for many, many people. I think the, the issue is, is a very complex one. There's, I think, been an alteration in the work ethic from generation to generation. I think um, the enhanced unemployment benefits certainly contributed, and based on what our new president may do, it could be significantly higher so that people are less inclined to return to work. And then, of course, there are very, very legitimate issues where people couldn't find childcare, people's kids were out of school, they really couldn't go back to work, they needed to homeschool or stay home with young children. There are just so many facets of this pandemic that have affected people's lives. Um, some people said, I can make more staying home, not paying for childcare and collecting unemployment. I don't pay for gas to travel to work. You know, I, there's a different equation for every single household. We also have more jobs than we have um, work eligible individuals in this community. And that's just a fact of population. Um, we mm-hmm. are growing jobs at a record pace and we don't have the people to fill them. Quality of applications is is a different issue. I think we're all seeing Mm -hmm. a reduced quality in those people applying for jobs, and I don't know what to attribute that to. Um, We certainly have a great university. We have a great community college. We have excellent training programs that people can enter into for free that are fully subsidized by Department of Labor. So there's no lack of education and training opportunities and then placement opportunities. But I I marvel, as maybe marvel is too positive a word, I shake my head wondering why aren't as many people interested in working and why isn't money mm-hmm. their currency for freedom and self-sufficiency? Um, mm-hmm. just maybe, maybe I'm just getting too old and cranky about the fact <laughs> I've worked all my life and never had an option not to. Yeah. And to me, work is a pleasure and it's a challenge and I'm always learning. And I would like to think most people want to be self-sufficient and most people yeah. uh, want the self-respect and dignity that comes with working. But it's going to yeah. be a real challenge for this community as we struggle to find qualified workers, even just warm bodies. And we struggle, uh, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle as we look at the assistance that the federal government is willing to provide for 99% of the people who desperately need it, but for the percent Mm -hmm. that could go back to work and are choosing not to, I just shake my head and think, you know, you're not going to get this for long, so don't stay out of work too long. Build your resume. Don't have a major gap on it. Well, especially when you bring up uh, Panasonic, Tesla, which uh, companies that need a certain level of skill and Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to recruit 
bigger companies like that, more companies to Reno. Well, we know this has been an ongoing conversation for the last decade as to qualified um, staffing for these companies. And they come to Reno and then they have a huge turnover. And uh, yeah, that's, that's well, an issue they always that... seem surprised. <laughs> they always seem surprised <laughs> that we don't have a ready-to-work group of people. But, you know, we can talk about the education system and whether we're preparing kids from probably eighth grade on for a career and what skills and aptitudes we should focus on. And it's probably not just STEM-related. I think it's understanding reading and writing and arithmetic and decision-making and conflict resolution, all sorts of skills kids should be learning that will be very important in the workplace, regardless of the type of job they choose. Um, Mm -hmm. But we we struggle here as we attract more and more companies and make the promise that they will find a a willing and ready uh, pipeline of talent, and then very often Mm -hmm. they're disappointed that they can't. And at some point, some some companies are going to say, I'm not sure if I can buy that sale anymore on on coming to this area. And maybe some mm-hmm. people will be glad um, that there isn't more manufacturing, warehousing, and distribution centers. Uh, you know, I think work is good wherever you get it. And it doesn't mean you have to stay in any one job forever. But I think we need kids to uh, really appreciate the work ethic and the freedom that working brings you by way of money and decision-making mm-hmm. and independence. Mm-hmm. All important values. Yeah. I'm a baby boomer. We were raised on that formula. <laughs> I am as well. And I've been yeah. working since I was 14. I really had no choice. Yeah. And my father, yeah. no, I... have, if he won the lottery, he would have had us all working. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly understand that. So let me ask yeah. you a couple of um, detail questions. The small business sure. loans that were plentiful uh, mm-hmm. in early on in the pandemic they're not forgivable like the PPP, right? Those are low-interest loans and people have to pay them back. Do you think there'll be an appetite to forgive those? There may be. I think the new president may ultimately decide to forgive them, but they have a very long uh, shelf life to pay to pay them back at a very low interest rate. So mm-hmm. hopefully people who said, I'll take an idle loan and, and be true to my word and get it paid back, they will. And hopefully they'll be making the money so they can. But just like college debt, I think uh, everything is on the table right now for forgiveness to mm-hmm. to jumpstart this economy. I, I I think everything is in play, and it's probably too early in the new administration and Congress to know. But I wouldn't be surprised if these loans are forgiven, or they get a longer term to pay them, or the interest rate uh, goes down even further. Mm-hmm. And and the moratorium on evictions. I know that was on housing for people, but was it also yes. on a a business? No, but it was no. it was really related to evictions. Um, yeah, and and that runs through March right now. We'll, we'll be interested to see if the legislature, the Nevada legislature, addresses that issue. Um, there is money available now through uh, the Biden administration to deal with evictions and perhaps a a longer moratorium on evictions. I know that our labor commissioner uh, for Nevada is handling mediation uh, with landlords and tenants where there are disputes or they can't come to some sort of agreement. 
and we have many members who are landlords who say, "Well, what about me though? I'm, you know, where nobody's paying their rent and they don't have to. How do I live?" So once again, mm-hmm. for every, you know, for every good deed, something goes punished. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just no way unless everybody got a hundred thousand dollar check that everybody can find their way out of this. But let me, so that I'm clear, because um, on the moratorium on evictions, did that include somebody that owned a restaurant and was renting space that they couldn't be evicted for that space, or was it just living, housing? No, it was both commercial and residential. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. No, that's okay. Yeah. But the the mediation was only for um, actual residential tenants and their landlords. Ah, got so it. Hopefully, got it. So hopefully, idle loans um, were were helpful to restaurants and other businesses that couldn't pay their rent. And this second draw of PPP money allows you to use it for operating expenses such as rent. So mm-hmm. we see many many people who used up their first PPP draw going for the second draw. And uh, you know, I hope they're all successful. Also, the Governor's Office of Economic Development in Carson City created a program, the PETS program, the Pandemic Economic Technical Assistance Program. And so the PETS grant was awarding money, and now there's another $50 million that has been put into it specifically for small businesses in the state. So there's a federal resource and a state resource. And the chamber gives out information and applications about both of those um, so that we can make sure that all the money that's out there and is and and our electeds are willing to give out can be distributed to as many businesses as needed. That's fabulous. Uh, we still have a little more to chat about, but can you tell people how they can get a hold of that information from the chamber, your website? Sure. www.thechamber.com. NV, N as in Nancy, V as in Victor, dot org, www.thechambernv.org. Also, they can call. Um, we're here every single day, and we're happy to take calls and give information or personalize emails so that people can get a link to exactly what they need. Our number is 775-636-9550. Perfect. But let's talk a little bit about 2021. You know, we're still in crisis mode. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of people, I don't need to talk about the stats on COVID, still getting the disease. The vaccine gives us some hope. But you know how when the crisis is over, then you sit down and you sort of look around at the devastation, and that's when a ton more work begins. Are you feeling hopeful about 2021? Optimistic. I think optimistic is too strong a word. I I think I'm definitely guarded. Um, I think businesses that are able to hang on will find themselves surviving and maybe having a tough 2021 but a rebound in 2022 when ultimately the large percentage of Nevadans are vaccinated. I think people's pent-up demand to shop to be with other people, to travel, to eat out, all of that will will spur business growth and sustainability. Optimistic, I'm not sure, because I still am waiting to better understand the distribution methodology of the vaccine. 
um, and how we can ensure that Nevada gets its fair allocation, gets it quickly, and gets it into the arms of, of everybody, not just seniors, not just people working in healthcare centers, but those of us who work every day, shop every day, are out and about until we do get out better information and education about the vaccine and, ed, and end some concerns that people have about it. Some are unfounded, some are legitimate. Um, we, we can't entirely be optimistic because the guardrails guard, guard rails will still be up until we know that people are vaccinated. Right. And you, and you and I have chatted a little bit about how surprised we are by how many people don't plan on getting the vaccine. One of the interesting conversations in my family the last few days has been, um, would we feel more inclined to go, say, to a, in a closed environment, a restaurant that wasn't outdoors, if they advertised that everybody in the restaurant had been vaccinated and we all agreed we would? Do you see the Absolutely. vaccine and the potential for marketing? I think it's all part of the information and education campaign. Just as you won't be able to enter this country or leave this country without proof of the vaccine, I won't be entering a crowded restaurant unless I know that everyone has shown their little card saying they're vaccinated. Otherwise, mm -hmm. what's been the point of all this? Um, right. We now know there are other strains developing. I, I think, you know, the time for conjecture, conspiracies, rumors, we have to put those aside right now and say, much like uh, as a baby boomer, I remember getting a polio shot, and I don't remember my parents saying, oh, my gosh, I don't know much about it. I just know I don't mm -hmm. want my kid to get polio. And I was right down the street to the doctor's office and screamed and shouted and ran around and then got that shot, and my parents breathed mm -hmm. a sigh of relief. So I think we all have to step up as citizens, as community residents, as people who want to get back to, or not get back to, but move forward with our lives. Um, we, have to, we have to encourage people, any doubt notwithstanding, to talk to their doctor, talk to their pharmacist, and get the vaccine whenever they can, whenever they are legitimately able to, to sit in that line. I don't care if it's five hours long. Many of us have waited much longer to see a concert or march in a parade. Um, you know, go get that vaccine because ultimately our survival will depend on it. it. This is a worldwide pandemic. This is not something that if you just live in Reno or Sparks, we can take care of. So I think the travel industry, tourism industry, the entertainment industry. I used to be general manager of Radio City Music Hall. That place has been shut down dark for, you know, 11 months. Um, I, I, I think we won't know the the world that we want to enjoy until we know that we're associating with people, whether we know them or not, who've been vaccinated. And I, for one, am going to do everything I can as head of the chamber to ensure that we provide information. The Immunize um, Nevada site has great information about the vaccine. I just met with Commissioner Lucy, who's on the Washoe County Task Force, dealing with vaccine distribution. And clearly, we're fighting our way to the top. Um, we're, 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 we don't rank quite high enough right now to get the kind of vaccine distribution we should have. But mm -hmm. I'm not going to resist it. I don't care if it hurts or if I have a sore arm. I would take one in each arm if I could get it right now. So does the chamber plan on doing um, sort of a uh, informational campaign on vaccine to 
yes. small businesses or businesses? Absolutely. Um, in fact, it's important to note that private employers can make the vaccine a condition of employment. They can mandate that their workers be vaccinated. I am doing that here, and we will put out information, and we have for the last several weeks, on resources to read about, learn about the vaccine, understand its effectiveness, understand why it was able to be produced so quickly, what side effects there may be, and like any other medicine you take and you get from your pharmacist, there's a three-page trifold document that tells you about mm -hmm. that, that prescription. Same with this vaccine, but it isn't killing people. Are there very less than 1% incident of, of, of severe reactions? But we want to do as much as we can to say to small businesses, all of our members, Tesla, Panasonic, every big casino, get your employees vaccinated. Now, there, so, you know, I don't want to raise the issue of freedom of speech or all those political issues, but I would hope that most reasonable right. adults would say, I'm going to get a vaccine. So let me go back to something you brought up a few minutes ago, which is an interesting topic and very much discussed with a lot of different opinions, and that's whether, as an employer, uh, that I have the right to mandate to an existing employee, you need to, to keep your job, you need to get vaccinated. And I, there's I a whole lot of wiggle room on that one as to whether I have the legal, uh, the legal end of this to be able to do that. Well, according to uh, the Department of Labor, it's not quite as gray as it may seem. Needless to say, we don't want to invade someone's HIPAA rights, and we aren't going mm -hmm. to ask about medical conditions. But if an employee says, I can't get the vaccine, I have a medical condition that prevents me from getting it, then all right, then I'm going to have to figure out you either stay working for me or I find a way to ac accommodate you by separating you from others, shielding you from others, mm -hmm. notifying mm -hmm. everyone else that you aren't vaccinated. There are also people who may have strong religious beliefs and that, mm -hmm. that, that, that don't allow for vaccines. And those must be honored under Title VII as well. Those are few and far between. Um, and we will learn over time how to deal from a human resources standpoint with those issues. They are bound to be less then um, they're bound to be a small portion of the of the community, but saying I don't feel like getting it is not going to be a valid response. Mm -hmm. hmm. I'll tell and, you, um, many interesting conversations on all of Well, you know, the governor made masks mandatory, and it took a few months for people to get with the program. But we don't allow anyone in here without a mask, and they can talk about their First Amendment rights all day long, but no one is going to be doing business at the Chamber of Commerce without a mask on. And frankly, I don't know anywhere you can go now without a mask. So we rebel, then we begin to understand, and then we ultimately say, if this is for my own health and the health of others, I'm going to be a good citizen and do what I need to do. Well, you used the I mean, word guarded on 2021, um, uh -huh. and and just sort of watching um and then also seeing how how we can help our small businesses uh we talked about being able to uh order from restaurants that are ordering out different ways that we can support them uh 
Uh, how mm-hmm. is the chamber, how will they be supporting small businesses to hang on until uh, through 2021 until maybe they can get back on their feet? Well, we've done a few things. One is we publish twice a week our chamber briefing, which contains all sorts of COVID pertinent information, business information, application forms, resource guides, everything one needs to navigate their business through this pandemic. We also uh, provided thousands and thousands of masks to small businesses. We also created curbside commerce, which the governor called out very early on in this to promote people doing business by driving up to their small business and allowing a delivery person fully masked to put whatever they've purchased in the trunk of their car. We think that's really important. And then we think now with masks, even with social distancing requirements and capacity limitations, we should continue to spend our disposable income in our local community stores. Really, really important that they stay alive. And the only way they can is by us spending money there. And even if it's just to buy a cup of coffee in the morning or a bagel or it's to get your nails done, um, places are open. And so we need to go back to subsidizing them and and getting the small pleasures we get from buying a product and knowing that it's keeping somebody employed or a business open. We've also been here every single day answering hundreds of phone calls from our members who need help with an application for PPP, who may need personal protective equipment that they can't afford. Um, you know, we, we gave every business masks. We will do whatever it takes to keep a business open. And if that means mm-hmm. I call our U.S. senators or our congressmen, I've been known to do that. Uh, we, we will stop at nothing to save a business. That's fabulous, Anne. Can you give us the website and the phone number uh, one more time? Sure. www.thechambernv.org and the phone number is 775-636-9550. So do you think, uh, one last question, Anne, do you think somebody who has contemplated opening a small business and maybe had everything in the works and then the pandemic hit so they didn't open. Do you think that the next six months would be a time to do that? Or do you think that would you give them the advice that they wait until the end of 2021? I'm so glad you asked that, Sherry, because we're finding new businesses starting up every single day. Commercial rents are down. Interest rates are low. It may be the perfect time to start a small business. Hmm. Fascinating. And and if somebody is looking to start their small business, uh, they should get a hold of you because you have a a, a lot of leads. Uh, yes. Yes. And we'll provide a whole host of resources. We deal with all the commercial lenders. We know the that we know all the spaces that are available. We know all the big banks are our members. Um, I would say that the bulk of our new members since really last fall are new startups. Small businesses. Wow. Wow. It's really quite an interesting phenomenon, but if I had the guts to do it, I would right now, today. I visited a small business that opened in South Meadows, and they are doing gangbuster business. And they opened a couple months after the pandemic and quickly figured out that they they were going to package their goods. They put outdoor tables. And as we all know, we had pretty warm weather for a long time up until this past week. 
So we, I think, to your point, this community is absolutely supportive of new businesses. We welcome them. We do everything we can with a ribbon cut to bring all sorts of people's attention to that business. And and then we say, shop there. Do what you need to do yeah. to buy something from that place. So we are seeing small businesses sprout up everywhere. Maybe the best time That's ever. Fair. Well, there's something to be optimistic about, Anne. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, thank you. We I will are. remind myself. To be optimistic yeah. about that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and find something every day to be optimistic about. <laughs> well, thank you My for help. our conversation. I know. Thank, thank you, you so much, much. Jerry. Yeah, Stay safe. We've been talking about uh, small businesses. And with Ann Silver, she's the CEO of the Reno Sparks Chamber of Commerce. Some great information and great advice, Ann. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sherry. Stay safe. Be well. Yes, to everybody out there listening, stay safe, be well, wear your mask, and please consider getting the vaccine.